What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm figuring out winter best ball drafts in the FFPC with Football Guys Players Championship, FFPC High Stakes Dynasty, and Best Ball League champion Lance Turbis. In this episode, we go back and look at the first FFPC Best Ball Draft that Turbis participated in for 2021, a couple of weeks ago, along with why it's important to draft now, who to target, who to fade, and much more. Turbis' career winnings in the FFPC alone total more than $30,000, and you can follow him on Twitter at SportsBettingMan. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is $30,000 FFPC winner, Lance Turbis. Joining me this week on, uh, you know, I didn't, even, I, I forgot to check. I'm going to bring it up here real quick. What, um, what season we're in of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown? But it has been several seasons, and we are leading off the 2021 version, season six, as it were, with one of my favorite FFPC players. You know him on Twitter at Sport Betting Man. You know him with the FFPC, the uh, champion of uh, main event, football guys, dynasty, best ball leagues. He's all over the place. He was in the first FFPC best ball league uh, that went off this season. It's Lance Turbis. Lance, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Valky. Thanks for having me. Love, love your show. Well, thank you so much. I certainly appreciate that. That's uh, that's good stuff from you. Um, good stuff from the NFL we got this week as we are looking at a quarterback carousel unlike we've ever seen in, in fantasy football, at least in recent memory, um, this offseason with, with so many quarterbacks scheduled to change places, Lance. We saw two big ones change spots this week. Matthew Stafford goes out west. He will be uh, quarterbacking for Sean McVay's uh, Los Angeles Rams squad going forward in 2021. And conversely, the Cali boy, the golden boy, the guy who doesn't allegedly know where the sun rises and sets it's jared goff he comes to motor city and he's going to be the lions quarterback for dan campbell and the new regime in detroit so let's kick things off let's talk about uh the los angeles rams first to me i look at guys like woods and cup and everett and higby and jefferson and and um actually i i try, I try one of those guys is a free agent and i think josh reynolds is still under contract but you look at the Rams uh, situation with Matthew Stafford out there now. Got to be a huge upgrade, right? In in your eyes for for fantasy drafters this year, you got to start bumping up those Rams skill position players. In my opinion, how do you feel about it, Lance? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I was looking at. I, I was. I wasn't sure. I kind of had without like my gut was thinking, um, like Stafford kind of leaned on players a little more, and then I started looking it up. I'm like, oh, he doesn't really. He kind of. I mean, maybe things happen with health, but he's kind of had like a similar target load to to uh, Galladay over the last couple of years, where I think the Rams' offensive scheme may be so more efficient that like Goff actually targets his guys at a heavier load. They get more plays involved and everything. But 
I think Stafford's definitely better quarterback than Goff. So I think he's the most benefits. I mean, I think I think he'll be the one that benefits the most versus you know like Wood and and uh, Cup and everybody. They might just kind of do similar. And I don't really know how Goff is going to affect Detroit. It could be. I mean, I don't think it could be anything better. So you know, I'm kind of leery of Detroit uh, receivers right now. Yeah, and, and we don't know, quite frankly, who's going to be there. You know, we don't know. Like Marvin Jones is a free agent. Um, we know Quintez Cephas will be there, and I know a lot of Dynasty players were high on him in the latter rounds of FFPC rookie drafts last year. But I, I think, and, and I just look at it from the standpoint of, you know, Dan Campbell, we, we saw what he said in his um, in his uh, introductory press conference, and to me that screams defense and running. They bring Deuce Staley over from the Eagles, who's going to coach the running backs. Um, he loves his running backs. He's going to coach him up. Swift could be a PPR monster. I guess I look at it from the standpoint of may- maybe if we're not loving the Lions receivers under Goff, Swift is a guy who could really take off in drafts. And, and I'm just looking at – and shout out to Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani, for um, compiling this, uh, this data. But in uh, FFPC um, best ball drafts, Swift is going off the board at running back 11, Lance, um, at the 208. Does that seem like a spot you would be comfortable taking him? Yeah, I'm pretty high. I'm high on Swift and Hawkinson. I'm just not I'm just not so sure about – yeah, like you said, is Galladay – you know, he should be there, I believe. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to re- – I mean, who knows about Marvin Jones. Yeah, I, I definitely – I have Hawkinson and uh, Swift high in my rankings. I, I uh, want to shift the focus now into the Rams um, because I think their quarterback situation got better, and I think their receiver situation was already better than Detroit's. You know, we go from Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Quintez Cephas to Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and Josh Reynolds, not to mention Higby and Everett. Um, so you look at the Rams standpoint, is this a position, or is, excuse me, is this a uh, team to target now in fantasy drafts, not only with the receivers? but the tight ends and Stafford as the quarterback there with a really smart offensive head coach and uh, the maybe the best supporting cast he's had in his career in the NFL? Yeah, I definitely would bump Stafford up my quarterback rankings. And I don't know, like I said, I'm not 100% on how that'll trickle out to everybody, but, you know, they – I don't, I think you, you said it the same – you said it fine. Um I'm just not sure there's going to be like some sort of huge load increase for everybody. I think it's more, you know, Stafford's just more accurate, quicker decision maker and strong arm. So, you know, they're, they're going to live and die by him. And I think they'll be able to have a better season. It's just, I don't, I don't really know if it's going to make a huge fantasy impact on the receivers. I, I, and I, I like, you know, just from a Stafford uh, standpoint, I, I think that's how FFPC drafters, have been handling it. You know, this is a guy who's going in the mid ninth round. I don't necessarily think he was going that much lower last year. Uh, he's going right behind Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. He's going right ahead of Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan right now. So I, I think it would make sense to, to see um, Matthew Stafford hold that. Maybe he goes up a little bit, maybe not. Robert Woods is actually, in my opinion, it, from what I remember in drafting season last year, he's plummeted quite a bit. He's going as wide receiver 23 at the end of the fifth round, which to me seems pretty low. Um, Cooper Cup is actually going as wide receiver 29 at the end of the sixth round. So I, I don't know if if just the ADP hasn't updated as, as much. but And Lance, I, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but I think I'd be targeting those guys maybe a half round, maybe even a round higher uh, than where they're going right now. And maybe I'm just bullish on the Rams, but I, I think that's the way I feel with Stafford tossing them the rock. Yeah, they're they're definitely like safe. You know that they seem safe. I mean, Robert Woods and Cup even go now, even last year, the year before. They all they seem to go at a a cheap price for what they put out. So I don't know. They're they're surrounded by so many good and interesting receivers. They still probably earn it with their like secure role versus all these. You know, we don't know how Chase Claypool is going to get bumped up or you know McLaurin and all these guys. But yeah, I, I mean they're they're good values anyway, so they're even better with a better quarterback, I guess. Yeah, I, ju- I just think like just right now the the Rams are are being sort of undervalued in in general, and and again that may change. You know, people are still 
focusing on, well, you know, the FFPC playoff challenge is still going on. We have a Super Bowl that we haven't talked about yet here that's mm-hmm. coming up on Sunday. So I think a lot of people are, are still obviously in 2020 mode, which is totally normal uh, this point of the year. Um, maybe not normal for everybody because you uh, got in a uh, 77, I believe it was a 77 best ball with a lot of the heavy hitters in uh, in the FFPC um, early drafters. You had, I think, Todd Burroughs, Austin Martin, who's the defending uh, FFPC um, playoff challenge, half million dollar uh, champion. He's in that draft. Theo Greminger was in there. Um, you had Jason Aberly was, was in there, Dan Williamson. Uh, Goat District, Noah Riddell, Davis Maddock, all in this uh, 77 best ball that uh, has since been completed. And you guys um, uh, were drafting awfully early. This was like a mid-January <laughs> draft. When you when you look, when you thought about jumping into this, what is it sort of a, a, that you like best about drafting, essentially while the 2020 season is still going on? What, it, what do you like best about it? Uh, in general, I like the value you get on risk. It's like rookies and and free agents that are not yet attached to an NFL team get that like unknown bump in value because drafters they prefer the known commodities especially in like baseball with I mean best ball where there's no waiver wire so they seem to allow that the unknown quantity I mean the unknown like where landing spots are all going to drop 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 in the draft just because they don't want to take that chance that they go somewhere poor and all the all these risky players that they're eventually going to get picked, and but you can scoop up a bunch of talent just by just bumping them up a little bit in your rankings if they're free agent or they're rookie. Just bump them a little bit, you know, and you can just scoop up a bunch of them. I just like the value you get on risk. Basically, all the unknown just drops in value. It's like uh, it's like Aaron Rodgers said. It's a beautiful mystery, right? You know, yeah. you just it's all about enjoying the journey uh, here in in these early drafts. So let's talk uh, a little bit about parts of your draft here. I don't want to give the whole thing away, but you went uh, you had the one hundred four uh, in this draft. Um, just for full disclosure, and it's on Twitter. You can see the draft board. But uh, Christian McCaffrey went one hundred one. You had Dalvin Cook as as the one hundred two. Alvin Kamara uh, the one hundred three. You had the fourth pick. Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Travis Kelsey in this tight end premium format. They were all out there. Uh, you went uh, a little bit different. You went with the now the second-year guy out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, at the 104. Tell me a, a little bit about your thought process on who you considered there and why you felt Taylor was the best pick for you. Well, I'd, I'd be, I've been recently burnt by Saquon like twice in a row. I had him in the main event two years ago, and then I had him quite a bit last year, and it's kind of like you default to the fool me twice theory. So that's it. Okay. So I'm going to stop you there, Lance. So, so that's interesting because I've always been of the, now I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You didn't say, Oh, I'll never draft Saquon Barkley no. again, but some people will swear him off. You know, if he, if he burns them, but you, I think you, you have more of a holistic look on this, you know, where it's like, yeah, I mean, I've been burned on him. Maybe I don't want to invest a 104 in him, but it's not like I'm done with this player, right? Is that your attitude? Oh, but, no, yeah, but- I definitely. I'd like to trade for him in Dynasty if he's, you know, depressed value. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'd want him. I just felt like, I mean, he's recently just burned me twice. So it's like I'm one of those guys that have been burnt twice, so they're, they might the wounds are st- The wounds are still healing, yeah, right? <laughs> I doubt he would have lasted to the eight. You know, I probably would have picked him quickly after this, but and maybe even right, right after this. But, yeah, I'd, and like Kelsey – he was definitely in play, eh. but my drafting philosophy more leans towards waiting on tight end. It's not set in stone, but it's in general, I'd prefer that because I don't like looking at my team when I use a top three rounder on, on a tight end. It just feels empty. <laughs> and as for like Jonathan Taylor, after missing week 12, he had like the COVID deal. Right. He came back to finish like the money weeks, like 13, 14, 15, 16, as the third best running back, you know. And then, and if you, and he even outscored like King Henry. But if you include week 17, Taylor was scored more than any running back from weeks 13 to 17. So at least he's shown, you know, that's his rookie year. He's shown that he's got that upside. He's young. He hasn't gotten injured lately. And, and, and like the Colts, quarterback situation will be important to keep a track of but it's more about running behind like quentin nelson and that indie offensive line that makes you feel comfortable with the pick you know it's like when players are close i'd prefer to go with the younger of the two and that's kind of why i took him over you know henry who's healthy 
do you, do you feel like when you're drafting this early in the, and I guess like, you know, this, this is probably true if you draft in January, February, March, I mean, you know, pretty much right up until right after the NFL draft, do you feel like when you're drafting in your strategy, Lance, do you, do you swing for the fences a little bit more than, than you would in, in mid summer or late summer? Well, more like best ball, it's kind of like the ultimate swing for the fence. I mean, maybe right. you play, yes. some people can play it safe, but it's like, you're not going to get very good scores with everybody scoring. 14 or you know you want that high the, the high upside guys that could hit 30 maybe so yeah I, I mean in general i do like to go for the bigger swings but you know more in best ball uh let's get to the fun part of the interview so um you have <laughs> you have um you're, you're you already said you know philosophy dictated that you usually do not draft tight end super early even in a tight end premium format um in this draft you got tight end number seven as your number one tight end. Okay, that's fine. But it was rookie or rookie to be, I guess, Kyle Pitts. Um, he hasn't been drafted yet in the NFL, and you're taking him as the seventh tight end off the board here. So now we're, we're talking about swinging for the fences. We're talking about getting value on rookies. Why? why I guess I, I just want to get the thought processes on, on, on why Kyle Pitts made sense for you here at the 704 as the seventh tight end off the board. Uh, it's more like embracing all the instability. Uh, once you get past the top tight ends, it's there's so much going on. Even the guy who picked right before me, you know, Goder, he could. He, I mean, I don't really know what's going on 100 with Philadelphia's quarterback. And then, like, you look at the tight ends going off the board after I drafted Pitts. There's rumors of a quarterback changing, swirling around, like Noah Fant with Drew Locke. Is he going to hold that job? Is Mike? I mean, I don't think Mike Kosecki is going to have a new quarterback. But they were talking about swapping Tua for Deshaun Watson a little while ago. Right. Yep. And Lo Logan Thomas is like a 29-year-old breakout season. It's like who's gonna, and also who's going to be in the quarterback, you know, in Washington, and like and then you you keep going. It's like Hunter Henry, Jonah Smith, Robert Tanyan. They could all sign somewhere else and have to deal with everything new. And now they got to. A rumor swirling like Irv Smith, you know, the Niners are going after Kirk Cousins. It's like, so you're going to be with Jimmy Garoppolo now or a new quarterback? This is, there's so much. It's like, if they're all going to be starting over and learning, you know, new systems and trying to rebuild their quarterback chemistry, you might as well like draft the freakiest one. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, no. he's just, I mean, he just finished like, his numbers don't look like insane, but he only played like eight games. So it's like he was at, he averaged in a fantasy in like FFPC scoring, he averaged 26 and a half points per game. That's like a good quarterback's average. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And whatever team drafts him, he's supposed to be rumored to go in the first half of round one. So, you know, the odds are they're going to be doing so based on his receiving and scoring ability, you know, and they should be able to give him as much of a load as he can handle. You know, it might get, you know, slow at first, but it should build as the year goes on. Yeah, a it great doesn't, time. It doesn't We're, seem like there's. It doesn't seem like, like the old room, uh, the old like set in stone. Like tight ends take forever to build. You right. know, yes. fantasy value. It seems like that's kind of going away a little bit. Well, I and and I was the one who said last year too that um you know the the I'm not going to be drafting a lot of rookies in redraft because of no preseason, no off season, and. And you're expecting these guys to. This wasn't dynasty. I'm talking about. This is redraft. I'm, yeah. I'm like, what's the point? And then you get guys like Brandon Ayuk, and then you get guys like uh, Justin Jefferson who throw the whole sure. thing out the window. And yeah, and I don't get it. You know, it just it it like there's. I I don't know if anybody. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've read a lot of stuff. I don't know if I've come across a, a good explanation for that. And I I you know why that happened. And I guess you just chalk it up to one of those things and, and you move on and go forward. From a rookie standpoint, rookie draft, uh, dynasty, Lance, Kyle Pitts, how high does – number one, is he a first-round rookie dynasty pick, and how high does he go out? Or how high would you take him in the first round? And granted, I know that a lot of this depends upon landing spot and fit and, and offensive scheme and everything, but knowing what you know right now, tight end premium, Kyle Pitts, he's a freak. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – I, ha I still have tons to go on digging through the 2021 rookie class, but right now he's, I have like five guys that are, look like they're going to be like reliably highly drafted in the first, you know, half of the first round. But I'd, I'd have Pitts probably in that, you know, eight, nine, maybe even if I'm sick of, if I'm not too happy with the landing spots, I might push him like as early as like eight in the first round and just, 
he, he's someone that might be worth waiting for. I mean, he put up like Gronk. Gronk Gronk was a really good rookie NFL player, and and but I mean, I doubt he'll have that kind of impact. But I don't know. He's just they've been kind of hyping him for more than you know. Even last year, he was kind of like wait till next year when he comes out. So usually that that you know really early hype pans out. SEC tested. We will see what he does in the pros. But I, you know, I'm not a Florida guy. I, I, I always root for Florida State. So the <laughs> the Florida Gators have always been sort of a a tough team to cheer for. But I'm excited for Kyle Pitts to see what he can do in the NFL for sure. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. We're talking about 2021 drafts, which we'll continue to the the discussion on uh, here, Lance. But before we get um, too far in, we saw for the first time in the NFL 14 teams. Uh, in the playoffs this year. Very exciting stuff. We saw back-to-back triple headers on wildcard weekend, and now we know that Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady will be dueling in the Super Bowl as Kansas City takes on Tampa Bay. Assessing everything you've seen from a specifically fantasy standpoint, what's been the most surprising thing you've seen with only one game to go in the 2020 NFL season? First off, I, I'm I, I kind of like that the uh, like only one team gets to buy. It makes it like I love exclusive. It. Yeah, and I, and I like I like great. more teams, and I love those double headers. Well, I'm all I'm all, I'm all happy about that. But I'd have to say, like, what surprised me the most was like the complete like meltdown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's like you go from you know you yeah. not only go from like eight zero. They've never been eight zero ever. They go to eleven and zero, and they beat. They didn't have to have the worst. They beat many playoff bound teams. And then they go from that to losing like five of the next six. And it was like total meltdown. It wasn't just like offensively over there. I looked up like over the last six games, including the playoffs, like after their 11 games win streak, the Steelers were outscored 45 to zero in the first oh. quarter, 45 to zero. And defensively, they went from like one of the very top scoring like fantasy defenses to like one of the weakest. It's like what everything switched off. It's like they did they didn't hold any of their last six opponents to under 24. I mean, some of that was, you know, pick sixes, but it was just I was stunned and everybody seems to be just jumping on Big Ben. And I think it was just way more than that. So let me ask you this. I, I know injuries played a role for the defense, and I'm gonna skip over James Conner in the running game here. Yeah. But what what about for 2021 drafts? Seeing what they did down the stretch of the season and then bowing out early in the playoffs, does that affect the way you draft? Guys like Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, Chase Claypool. Are you nervous about Pittsburgh? I guess it kind of depends upon Roethlisberger coming back, but it, it seems like he wants to. It seems like Pittsburgh wants to make one more run at it. Are you still bullish on those guys this coming year after even after this slide? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 fine with drafting him. I'm actually more worried when the defense is good because then they could just mm, like mm-hmm. shut down second half. So I, I definitely love it when their defenses are, you know, at least average or worse. But yeah, I'm, I'm um, pretty. I'm pretty high on Pittsburgh passing game. Yeah, I think I am too, and and I own a decent amount of shares of of both Johnson and Claypool and Dynasty. So we'll see what what goes on there. It sounds like Smith Schuster's going. Are you with? Hey, let me ask you this. This is totally. I mean, this is I guess same semi fantasy related. So I do this local radio show in Northeast Wisconsin, and we obviously talk a lot of Packers. Um, and people are talking about the, the the cap situation that Green Bay is in, and that they may have to, you know bloodlet a little bit and, and have mm. some cap casualties and maybe let guys like Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, so on and so forth, go to other teams in free agency. I'm of the opinion that um, that will happen to Green Bay, but it's going to happen to a lot of teams with the lowered salary cap this year. I think we're going to see some surprising veterans out there in a market where we already know a ton of quarterbacks are changing teams and there are a ton of wide receivers whose teams let them go to free agency as well. I think it's going to be sort of a wild, wild west in, in free agency this offseason. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, I'm looking forward. This is like going to be exciting because I agree with you. There's so many potential quarterback changes. I mean, there, there are rumors, you know, a lot of them might just resign and everything's just, you know, rumor. But I mean, that that changes everything. They, they got so many potential, you know, quarterback changes. We've already seen two. Just wait, you know, till all this stuff pans out and, and plus running backs and receivers everything there's so many good talent in, the, in this free agent class it's going to be so it's going to it's like bridges the gap to the you know to the draft there's a there's like another date to look forward to where you get to see you know once that opens up it's like exciting 
And, and it's just another reason to draft early too. When you think about yeah. all these guys that could be insane values after, you know, trades, after signings, after the draft could be really, really crazy. And people could be banking a lot of cash right now and not even knowing it. Um, like maybe you did in this 77 draft. When you look back on this 77 glance at, out of um, all these teams in there, and I mentioned a lot of the players in it uh, earlier, did you have a, not necessarily just, I mean, it could be from your team, um, but did you have a favorite pick, a, a, a pick that that you're like, wow, that is insane value on that guy. Good on you, whoever drafted him. And then a pick where you're like, I don't know what that guy was thinking out of out of all uh, whatever it was, uh, picks in this draft, um, you know, um, yeah, uh, three hundred some or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, like like I said already, this draft was really high level. It wasn't, and there was, I was just impressed by everybody. There was no jump, you know, no no one team that would allow value to slip. It was just really well done. But if I, I had to look it over, real, I had to keep looking over and looking it over and saying, okay, who would I think? But I'd have to go with uh, Theo Greminger getting J- Jerry Judy in the tenth round and. I think Cortland Sutton was drafted like five rounds earlier. I like Sutton too, but Judy in the tenth is just—he didn't set the world on fire, but he showed me enough to build on. And he's not and coming I, off a torn yeah. ACL either. No, yeah, he's. I mean, he wondered about the quarterback situation and all that in Denver, but he just—he's—he's he's got draft capital. He—he he looked okay. He had some drops and all that, but I mean, he, to t- to go in the tenth was nice value, and uh. For the risky, I mean, in my opinion, one of the riskiest picks was made by Davis Maddock because he drafted quarterback Trey Lance as his only backup to Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many things could, I mean, if Baltimore gets an early bye week, he might not even be, you know, have the job yet. And take a zero at the highest scoring quarterback position. That's brutal. And then he had, he had, I mean, you know, retrospect, he had quarterbacks still on the board like, the fellow North Dakota State Bison, Carson Wentz, <laughs> Big Ben. Uh, and he, if he wanted to, on that 13, 14 turn, because he was on the 12 slot, he, you know, nobody could block him. He could have doubled up on, like, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and had potentially next, you know, New, or- New Orleans' quarterback of the future. Right. It's like, Trey, Trey Lance was a beast in 2019. I mean, he he led his team to an undefeated 16-0 and season. I mean, they played like an NFL season. And he combined for 42 touchdowns with zero picks. It was, like, insane. He ran for 1,100 yards, 14 touchdowns rushing. The problem is, like, when you try to look up who he played, you, you can't even find it on, like, pro football reference. you got to go to, like, the obscure site, you know, and get it. And it's, like, there's nobodies. And, and they're, like, complete no-name colleges culminating in, like, the FCS title game against the notorious powerhouse James Madison Dukes. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like, how are you going to say, look how good I did, but it's all against that crap. But, I mean, I mean, same thing happened to Carson, but the difference between Carson and Trey Lance is that Wentz got to go show off his arm. He threw at the combine. He played at the senior bowl. He got, you know, he got to compete against all the other conferences where Trey, he's, he was young, freshman, you know, sophomore, and then he opted out. So he didn't get to – and there's not going to be any combine. So it's like a huge difference. I'm just not sure how early he'll be picked, and I'm not sure he'll, like, take the job. And if he takes it, will he take it, you know, quickly enough to even be a factor in, like, you know, this season? It's just risky, too risky for me. And then, not, you know, not to mention if Lamar gets hurt. And so, so like, in, in, am I reading this right? And maybe you don't even know, um, but Trey Lance had one um, game this past season uh, in, in 2020 because of COVID um, beating Central Arkansas. But now he has a spring schedule, North Dakota State, where, where, where they're actually going to play starting February 21st through April 10th. Do you know anything yeah, about I saw, this? I saw something like they're going to have the FCS – Bowl championship in like May 11th to 14th. So I was so wondering he, what the so hell he that will, was too. Yeah, so he'll, <laughs> he he'll be play? able to show off, he'll show off his wares. Like, wow, that'd be good. And you would think that, and and now we're getting a little hot takey here, but mm-hmm. um, uh, this he could be the biggest riser in the NFL draft given recency bias, right? Yeah, like if, if, if he's crushing it. Then all of a against, sudden, like against all those small schools, so. right? But but it's it's the last thing we'll have in our minds, yeah, right? Like, I oh, agree. Trevor Lawrence is going one. We know that, but Zach Wilson maybe as high as two, and then you know Justin Fields and whoever. But all of a sudden, Trey Lance could. Yeah. I this will be. 
unprecedented stuff here. We, we thought we saw unprecedented stuff in 2020. We're really going to see stuff before the NFL draft this year in, in, in 2021. I guess the good part for Davis Maddock is uh, there's almost no shot of Baltimore drafting <laughs> Trey Lance. So he, yeah. he won't, he won't have to worry about that yeah. uh, for sure. Um, in that draft, did you it, it, let's in listen, anytime you finish a draft, um, I think most people, you know, pe- you know, somebody's like, Oh, how do you think you did? Oh, I did terrible. It wasn't a good draft, but secret. You're like, you know what? I kind of crushed this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think if I said you can't pick your own team in this draft Lance, not that you would, but who do you think in this 2021 77, who do you think did draft the best team uh, out of these 12 squads? It was, that was super tough. I, I went and just kept looking, trying to find a, you know, a team that's like stood out enough to like be someone I'd bet on. And, and like, multiple I'm, teams are still an answer. If, if there is more yeah. than one that, that really stood out. Yeah. It's like, I'm a, I'm a way more of an optimist. So I could see things going well for like every team. If, you know, if it goes well, but yep. I guess like push comes to shove, I guess I'm lead on, on betting uh, that either that the team Austin Martin or Justin Herzig put together, it's just, they don't have any real witnesses and they got like, they're strong at the top of each position. Nah, I just, they, they seem like the teams that if I was going to put money on it and couldn't bet my own team, I'd probably bet on those two. And what, what Herzing and Martin both have in common, at least to me, looking at their squads, they, they focused on running backs and receivers early. They both went upper echelon quarterbacks, right? Yep. And, yeah. and they both chose to take their tight ends after those elite quarterbacks. So while they don't have elite, you know, quote unquote, elite tight ends, they still got two of them. They they drafted two very quickly next to each other. Austin yeah. gets Hunter Henry and Irv Smith. Justin gets Noah Fant and Jonu Smith. And and he adds Ian Thomas and Dan Arnold later. Austin uh, Martin uh, drafted uh, Dawson Knox later. So there's a lot of upside there. So even though they focus on running backs and receivers early to get those really bankable points every single week with Mahomes and Watson wherever he ends up. And then you still get that, that tandem at tight end. Sometimes I think that's underrated, especially in best ball where you, you let those early tight ends go off the board, but then you're one of the first teams to draft a second tight end. I think that really helps you out, especially when you focus on other positions early. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, it was such solid drafting that I, I saw no poorly drafted team. So it was just like, wow, which one of these kind of stands out. And I, I, so those are the two I kind of, it was it was hard. It was very hard. There's I could have picked you know four or five other teams easy. And it's one of those things. It's one of those things too, Lance. Where if I ask you to look at it tomorrow, you might find two different teams. You yeah, know what I, I mean, mean like, maybe. It, you <laughs> or, know, it's or just, in a couple months. There, yeah. there, the, This was a, a lot of talented guys. A lot of guys uh, like yourself who've done this many, many years and have had uh, a lot of success. I want to get back to the um, to the rookie aspect of this. Um, we already talked about uh, how you took Kyle Pitts. You took Jamar Chase, uh, the receiver at LSU. He was your fifth-round pick. You also got Jalen Waddle late out of Alabama. Um, you, you drafted um, uh, Mac Jones uh, super late as well. So when you talk about the the rookie ratio uh, here in this draft, five rookies out of 28 picks, is that the type of balance you typically like to strike drafting early in a best ball format, trying to – you know, capitalize on rookie value, but at the same time, get a strong base going. Yeah. I, I kind of went back and looked at like the best ball leagues I've won over the last couple of years. And I averaged around five rookies in those as well. So that might be what I do, or I don't really consciously do it, but it might, it might be kind of how it works out. It's like super important to hit on like a couple and you got to hit big on at least that's why the, the waddle pick, at least that's a little lower. That'd be, that'd be more in my wheelhouse of those are the ones you hit on. You know, I reached, I mean, I paid full price for, for Jamar, but it's like hitting on those incoming rookies or hitting on players returning from a down or an injured year in best ball is like, you can, that's where the value really is, especially before, you know, free agency and the NFL draft. It's like, it ties right in. It's like the impact rookie examples that I had, you know, like last year, I took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in like the seventh round where, you know, after the draft, he yeah. jumps up into the top three or whatever. And C.D. Lamb, I got in the 10th. Justin Jefferson in the 14th. And then the year before, I got like A.J. Brown in the 14th and Miles Sanders in the 16th. It's like the really early drafts. People really don't 
study early enough. So if they're if your software like FFPC software is like throw a butt, throw all the rookie names in and open it up. I guarantee, you know, nobody's really caught up on the rookies yet. That's what everybody's doing, right? Like the last month, the next the next couple of months, it's like everybody's studying the rookies. So the earlier you do it, the more people are like, damn, look at what he got that, you know, later on. <laughs> I was looking, I looked at, I didn't recognize like half the late running backs and receivers picked, but you know, now they're all on my radar. So it's, it's like, it's just, it's just so much free value for those guys. If you're, if you're ahead of the game. Lance, we are covering the gamut tonight. We, we, we've been talking a lot of 2021 drafts. We talked about the 2020 NFL playoffs as well. I want to go back even further to the 2020 season. When you think about in your draft evaluation in, in drafting season last spring and summer, if there was one player you were really right on, either by grabbing them everywhere and, and seeing them enjoy a career season, or conversely, never touching them and he fell flat on his face, who was a guy you were really right on? And then on the other side of the coin, who was a guy that you really got wrong uh, in your evaluation this past season? On the correct side, I'd say like just in general, aggressively drafting from this 2020 rookie class. I mean, they could be, I mean, at first I was kind of, I saw it like eight deep and then it, then it grew and it grew. And now that I've seen everybody and like the role they have or the competition they're playing with this, this rookie class, that 2020 class was just so good. And I still stuck with my guns and drafted them a lot when the narrative, um, especially like the Twitter narrative was like, fade, fade, fade. They don't have a preseason. They don't have this. They don't have that. And I was like, ah, screw that. You know, <laughs> I'm going to take them anyway. And also I was, I was real high on Kyler Murray. And, you know, he faded a little bit at the end, but he was a very strong pick for me. On the, uh, on the incorrect side, I'd say and he showed a tiny bit of life really late, but I was banking pretty heavily on the potential of like Irv Smith to break out this past year where he really didn't. And it was kind of a major letdown. I think I got a little overconfident over the last couple of years. I was, he- I was, I was like nailing my mid to late round tight end. You know, I was, I took like two years ago, I took Kittle and like the 13th tight end pick. And then last year, not this past year, but the one before I was getting Waller and Mark Andrews, like later than that, like late, late. And I kind of got overconfident thinking, oh, I could nail the tight ends <laughs> later. I don't have to worry about them. But then this year just was like a slap in the face. Yeah. So, so it's like, the missing the mark on uh 2020 tight ends just made me suffer and like you're gonna grow from suffering it's like okay maybe i'll like take it more seriously or you know diversify a little bit but yeah that was a huge miss for me yeah and it's one of those things too where it's just like you enjoyed the spoils in 2019 it's it's hard to get away from that yeah you know, where where That's especially... how, like, dynasty so much <laughs> dynasty you just can keep them it's like so much yeah better. yeah exactly yeah um it, it's it's a totally different animal which is what i enjoy it's sort of like two different games in yeah. one which is which is awesome um okay let, let's talk about dynasty here lance um since uh since the end of the season since we started looking forward to next year has there been a player um not on your roster that you've been trying to acquire in a lot of spots, has there, has there been a player conversely that you do own in a lot of spots that you're trying to maybe get rid of at 75 cents on the dollar, 80 cents on the dollar right now, because you, you think he's in for a big letdown in 2021. Uh, that's, it's tough. I mean, there hasn't been a ton of trading really going on. I mean, there's been some, but I got a little lucky with the timing. I, I offered out trades for KJ Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, like in mid November, like just before mm. they started to break out. So I got a couple shares of them, and I was, you know, super happy with how they blew up at the end of the season. But like, that's something you so, write home about right there. Yeah, man. that is good so, stuff. Yeah, it's it's like so many rookies from twenty twenty one actually finished the year well, and they, they all their values went up. It's it's like I almost like gladly trade for any of them or all of them. It's like I'm so high on that class now, and for selling, I haven't really sold high on anybody. But you start thinking, you know. If I can get top dollar for guys who went nuts in 2020, like, you know, Devontae Adams or even Dalvin Cook, I own a lot of Dalvin Cook, but they're so good and they got, you know, more left, but, you know, or even like the younger guys, they have a little too much hype. Like, you know, he's, he's shown pretty good, but Antonio Gibson seems like he's really hyped. So I might try to sell him while he's, 
you know, any, any of those, if I, if their price is right, I wouldn't mind, you know, letting go to try to get some of these 2020 guys. Uh, quite frank, it, quite frankly, Lance, as long as we're talking about selling, uh, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna put this in the questions to ask you and I just realized I didn't, um, Alvin Kamara is coming off a massive, massive season. I mean, you think about <laughs> all the the championships he helped people win in Week 16 on Christmas Day with those six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you own him anywhere, but if you did or if you do, are you putting the feelers out on Kamara right now just to see what what sort of you know it's the it's the it's the um it, it's the Christoph Waltz thing from uh, from, from <laughs> yeah. uh, Django Unchained, right? Like yeah. like is somebody willing to make me a ridiculous offer, and then you go DiCaprio and well, what would you consider a ridiculous offer? And then you see what they say, and like, oh man, I might have to trade Camara if this is the if this is the kind of thing. What what about Camara? What do you, what should Dynasty owners be doing with Camara right now? That's perfect perfect question because a I think I drafted Camara in like the late second or something in his rookie year and then Mino Brown like bought him off me immediately I think before oh. that round was over and I was like damn I owned him for a little while but that's it but uh <laughs> I just I think it was yesterday or the day before I just pulled off a blockbuster in one of the uh my that hard way FFPC 500 oh yeah yep me, me and Dan William took uh we we uh we're going back and forth and the final trade ended up. Uh, I gave him my 106 for this year, and CD Lamb, who I did not want to trade, and Irv Smith Jr., who I did not want to trade. Uh, and I think I threw in the 306 to make it work. And he gave me Alvin Kamara, um, uh, Godert, and Fournette, and Edmonds, Chase Edmonds. So. My, oh. my running backs were really thin. I was like uncomfortable with my running backs. So now with adding those three guys, I just feel super comfortable. But I just I'm gonna miss Lamb. I'm gonna miss my 106. It's like and even Irv. I have them all, you know, in quite a bit of dynasties. But it, that was a huge trade, and I kind of not sure how I feel afterwards. But I, you know, after every blockbuster, you feel kind of hurt. But it's you know, bittersweet, that's, that's, right? That's a good trade, yeah, yeah. It, it's bittersweet after any kind of blockbuster because because you're eager to welcome in the new guys, but you're also a little a little nervous about the guys you said goodbye to. It's interesting too because you know I have been Team Zach Ertz for basically his entire career. I am officially not on that bandwagon this year, um, and, and I'm fine with that. I, I just I, I if there ever was a year for Goddard to t- to take the next step forward, it's going to be 2021. Um, (laughs) Leonard Fournette is a very interesting case because he is going to be showcasing his skills in front of the whole world in the Super Bowl and has the, the, the potential to maybe earn another contract with Tampa if he does very well, or maybe with somebody else. So he is a very compelling individual. I think, you know, a lot of people were quick to write him off at when Jacksonville cut him, but you know, I think I still think there's something there, and, and we could see something big there uh, yeah. coming up in the in the Super Bowl. I I, I think that um, for the deal you made, um, the the pieces you got back uh, in return, and 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 this is something I talk with FFPC Dynasty owners a lot. You know, you're always trying to get um, assets that are about to ascend in value, or that have the potential to ascend in in value. And I think there's definite potential from all those pieces, quite frankly, that you acquired in that trade, which is really what you're trying to do in Dynasty. Yeah. I mean, even like I was thinking Ertz, you know, I I, I feel like he's going to leave Philly. But yeah, start thinking about, you know, he could he could go to a lot of teams where he I mean, he's probably dirt cheap to trade for right now. And, and he's uh, I don't think he's done yet. I mean, he's, he's like the other, other guys that were like dirt cheap. I was thinking about like. David Johnson is probably really cheap to trade for. Miles Gaskin, maybe. Odell Beckham, Henry Ruggs. I mean, they just feel when you own them, they feel like it wouldn't take much to take them away from you. So that's probably how the other people feel. Right. It's like nobody's yeah. nobody's going to charge you, you know, so much to trade for any of those guys. So yeah, I mean, adding Ertz might be a pretty reasonable investment now. Also, you know, Ertz is a guy too that, like, you know, I think I I always felt the tight end position. Um, if you have the right makeup, you can age gracefully, like uh, in a Jason Witten type way, you know, where you don't have to be the fastest guy. Um, you don't have to be the, the crispest guy out of your breaks. Um, but if you know how to get open and your hands are above average, 
you can have a long career. Sort of like being a long snapper, right? Like if you can yeah. long snap a football, yeah. you, you can play in the NFL for 15 years. It's, like, it's, like, it's like I don't care who the tight end is. Like I've been looking at college football tight ends, like trying to rank them for years, and they put me to sleep. It's like <laughs> if, if, you, if you like know how to – you're running around and get to the spot on time, box out and catch it. It's like almost nothing after the catch for almost any of us. You know, every once in a while you see something pop, but it's basically just get to the spot where you're supposed to be and catch it if you're a tight and, end. And fall down. Yeah, you know? who cares? Like just, yeah, just fall down. You already down. got a point and a half. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you point and a half for the catch, whatever for the yardage. And then if you fall down, you're averting injury point, too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just it's it's perfect. Yeah, and so I think Ertz and Ertz, by the way, too. In again, this is best ball. This isn't dynasty, but Ertz is going at the ten oh two. So he has fallen to yeah. double digit rounds right now as the tight end sixteen. He is going right behind Irv Smith and Hayden Hurst, going right ahead of Austin Hooper and Jonu Smith. So I think there is something to be said for Ertz and redraft this year as well. Uh, to get a guy as you know for him as your second or, or even third tight end, wow, uh, you mm-hmm. could be sitting pretty at that position. Um, it, Lance, final question for you, and I thank you so much for being so gracious with your time this evening. Um, you're, we already talked about it. You're drafting for 2021 currently. Who's an early round pick that you're sort of fading right now that you don't have any interest in inquiring? And then maybe a guy in the mid or even later rounds that that you're trying to grab a bunch of shares of. It was hard because I, mean, I was basically looking at that best ball and it was so well drafted. Nothing really stood out. But uh, after looking over the first few rounds, I don't really see many players I'm down on. But I'm thinking like the wear and tear and good old father time might be like finally catching up with Julio Jones. Mm. It's like it's like he still had a few vintage games. You know, he looked good, but he's 31 now. He's like fellow class of 2011 alumni, A.J. Green. Seems to have fallen off the fantasy clip already. The year before, Antonio Brown, he looks like he looked pretty good, but he lost a little something. He doesn't look as explosive. Yep. Not, and there's so much rumors about Atlanta. I don't really think they're going to move on from either. I don't think they're going to move on from their quarterback, even though I keep hearing rumors like Atlanta's going to draft a quarterback. But if they are rebuilding, you know, there's not as much pressure on him to keep performing. So I'd, I'd probably fade Julio at, you know, that high third round price more than if, most people would it, it lo, feel, lo, like the value uh, what are you thinking you know, I, was, I was just gonna say it feels like there's matt ryan and julio jones despite the new coach there and arthur smith it feels like to me like my bulky sense is tingling it feels like to me they have one more go around yeah you i know, don't see it, them it feels, either one leaving yeah i mean after either. the maybe maybe atlanta drafts a quarterback this year and and they groom him uh and and you know a la jordan love or, or whatever you want to say but but um to me it seems like we get one more year of that tandem together and then all bets are off the table that's the way i feel about it um julio jones it just um uh for um as long as you bring him up as 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 your fade um, he has slipped a little bit since that um, since that uh, hard way draft with the FFPC. He's now going in the early to mid fourth round, but still is wide receiver 14. And I look at the guys behind him, Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, um, CeeDee Lamb, who I know you like for Dynasty. Um, th- those guys represent a certain amount of upside that I, I don't think Julio Jones is really providing at this point of his career anymore. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he had gone through – like multiple seasons where he's, you know, he's on the sideline after a ding, after a hit, and, you know, he's like stretching his legs and, you know, warming up and you're like, Oh no, is he going to be out for the rest of the game? And right. It seems like that happened worse this year. So he actually did miss quite a bit. And, so. and it's not going to get better. No, it's I only going to so. get worse. Yeah. Yeah. His whole game's like explosion. So that kind of, I don't think that'll, I mean, you never know, but like, what about like uh, what go on, go ahead, Lance. No, you were talking like, um, Who's you might like? Who's sleepers. valuable? Yeah, the yeah, sleepers. absolutely. After you know a certain round, the things that are standing out is like the mid round values you might want to load up on, it, like the cheaper parts of the Niners or the Eagles passing game, like like a Debo Samuel, mm. Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard. They're they're in that mid range where it's kind of cheap, so. Those guys seem worthy, at least, and and like whoever whoever ends up once I'm done studying everything as my tight end flavor of the year, I'll probably load up on that like I do every year. <laughs> Sometimes and, it seems to uh, me like in, in in these best ball drafts, 
like the the things that the um the um the players to target are from the position groups where you expect an NFL team to add there, right? Because then when the NFL like how many people were fading Marquez Valdez Scantling, Alan Lazard, just assuming the Packers are going to draft the receiver yeah. on day one or day, and it never happened, right? And right. then you were, you know, anybody was drafting before the NFL draft. I mean, they're getting those guys in the 20 some rounds and, and think about the dividends they pay and they don't have to pay off every week, kids. They no. just pay off a few weeks and, and you're golden. You've already made your, your profit on it. And, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes I, I think that's the way to do it is, is target the positions where rational GMing would dictate, okay, they, they're going to draft somebody here. Eh, it doesn't always happen that way. And sometimes you can really, you as a fantasy owner can really profit. Yeah, I'd like to load up on like because it's prior to the free agency and the draft. It's like you load up on all those little, you know, free agent running backs or receivers. Or, oh yeah, or, or rookies that like go to odd spots where it confuses everybody, and they're like they don't really know how that how it's going to shake out with the depth chart. It's like just get those guys because they're all going to go down, and you know how much it costs you to get them. And maybe even like the returning from injury, people are out of sight, out of mind. Fantasy is known for that. Like a yeah, Odell Beckham. Will Fuller, they're not really that far out of mind, but Paris Campbell is definitely out of mind, and he—I mean—he could come back to a nice role. So there's, there's just—we'll see. You know, there's so many, so many moving parts right now. It's like amazing. It is amazing, and it's always amazing talking to you, Lance, about fantasy football or whatever, which yeah. I really enjoyed uh, this evening. Um, I uh, wish you not only the best of luck in this uh, hard way uh, FFPC draft that you participated in. But I wish you the best of luck in um, in all your leagues this season. Football guys, FFPC main event, what have you. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on and, and we'll we'll do a game-by-game breakdown of Trey Lance's North Dakota State spring <laughs> yeah. schedule. Starting and, and we'll, in April. That'd be great. <laughs> we'll, we'll have live football to talk about then, uh, which will be very exciting. Uh, kidding you. aside, uh, appreciate it, dude. You be good. We'll talk to you again real soon, and good luck. Thank you very much, Bucky. You rock, man. It's great. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.